Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Bad Batch Report. 
Mr. Skinner to the manager's office. Manager's office, Mr. Skinner. <laughs> Again, if you haven't uh, been listening for a long time, when we do these reviews and discussions of episodes called Report, I say the name, and then uh, Ken makes uh, some noise. And it started off as humming a theme, and now we've gotten down to the point where it's like a sketch in between a song on an album, yeah. which I love. That is great. <laughs> it's like a Bruce McCullough comedy album, except for not as funny for my part. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Anyways, shout out to the wonderful Shelby Young, who does uh, two voices, and she does that PA announcer that I swear is a riff off of Hot Fuzz. It, it absolutely could be. I love Hot Fuzz, and I love some of the absolute hot fuzz like comedy even in the way it's filmed in the horror of crosshair's life that is <laughs> driven home by that pa voice yes. wonderfully uh imitated by ken just now anyway i'm joseph scrimshaw the person doing great sketches is ken napsock and we are here to discuss the bad batch we are into season two this is episode three of season two it is entitled the solitary clone but lucky for us there are many clones in it, including Commander Cody, which is great. Uh, this episode is written by Amanda Rose Munoz and directed by Saul Ruiz and continuing story editor credit to Matt Machenovich, all familiar names from the Clone Wars and a uh, previous season of Bad Batch. Uh, we always like to start with sharing our viewing experience because we, we have big thoughts and everything, but we are fans. So we like to, you know, sit down and just absorb the episode and then we kind of start diving in so ken what was your viewing experience of the solitary clone we will uh, confess we we kind of watched and record a little early as we said before we're blessed with the screeners but you and i kind of you know watch the screener screeners either sometimes we just don't watch and we we prefer the midnight experience and this was uh, an early one so this is a great episode an important episode we're about to discuss but for most of the episode an ampersand was over crosshair's face for me <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I love the the turn of phrase midnight experience. We've talked about staying up late uh, to watch these on midnight at midnight with everybody else. But the midnight experience, uh, that is my new favorite imaginary jazz album. Uh, yeah, for me, the I, I had to watch the screener. We are recording this uh, earlier uh, than the episode is actually released uh, because of some schedule stuff. Uh, and as Ken is referencing, uh, the screeners come with the, your personal email uh, blazoned across the screen. We've joked that they're a strange mustache. There's one deeply meaningful shot of Cody right at the end where my email was literally over under his nose, over his lip. Total perfect email address mustache for Cody at a deeply important moment of the episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as always, we're not certainly not complaining. We are blessed to have it. We truly are. But it is it is it's become fun, unintentional comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very funny because like when I re when I first the first screener I watched that had that was the uh, first couple episodes of Andor. And I was like, well, I, I'm I going to have to rewatch these immediately when they're available. And, and I did. But it was pretty amazing, like all of the emotional memory of watching it, all the kind of pictures in my mind of what it looked like on the screen. My mind erased the email address. So it works. Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, for me, this was the first time I kind of had the experience that I realized I've talked about wanting to have on the podcast. I realized, hey, I have these screeners. I could get up on Saturday morning and watch a Star Wars cartoon. Yes. Uh, so I got up uh, Saturday morning. Uh, I didn't have a sugar-filled cereal. I had some English muffins, some coffee. I had a new action figure of an ARC trooper I just got, sat down mm -hmm. at my desk, and watched the solitary clone 
is a fun Saturday morning cartoon. And uh, it was extremely fun, but I don't know if fun is the first word I would use to describe this episode. It was many, many amazing words. I'll throw fun in there, but let's get into that. Let's get into our overall reaction. Uh, I think we, we're on the same page on yeah. this one. Love it, like it, struggle with it, Ken. Where did you go? Love it to the high heavens, but can we just set the scene here of you doing this in 1985, <laughs> sitting down for a Saturday morning cartoon, and the Muppet Babies are like, are we meant to kill? Is that what, what we are? You're just and you're slurping your honey, honey crisp, honeycomb cereal. Mom, this is... This cartoon's a little serious. <laughs> yeah, a little baby Fozzie saying peace was never an option. That would have been great. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, I got, yeah. I, I, if you want to out there listening, consider this hyperbole. Uh, fine. Uh, I, let me just start here. I, I, this was one of the best pieces of Star Wars media ever, ever. Going back to 1977. You don't need to rank them. You just put this in the Hall of Fame, right? The, I, I, I truly, I've now watched this episode four times. I, uh, I'm uh, blown away by it. Uh, Salary is uh, directing, but because it, 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 it just comes off this, this is so beyond the medium of, of animation, which is a fine, wonderful medium with, with a lot of possibilities. Some that aren't possible in live action, but this, this, this just comes off as its own thing. And Amanda Rose Munez, uh, who's written um, Tales of Jedi, uh, which factors, you know, factors into this episode. Mm -hmm. She worked on the Duke, one of the Duke, the first Duke episode, right? Uh, Resistance, Rebels, all the stuff. She's worked her way up from script coordinator uh, to, to writer. Uh, we all, everyone's jokes. Uh, Tony Gilroy, give him control of Star Wars. Uh, John Favreau, give him control, give Amanda Rose Munez control of Star Wars. <laughs> as a writer, this was absolutely a breathtaking, haunting, important episode of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, if this is uh, if this needs to be dubbed uh, an episode of Hyperbole Center, so be it. Uh, but I don't think it's hyperbole. It is, for me, my opinion, one of the single best episodes of a Star Wars television show I've ever seen. Um, yeah. I think what makes it so powerful is it, it's really just a swing for the fences. You know, it's a decision to say this is what's at stake in our tale, this tragic tale of the clones. This is what's at stake in this era. This is what's at stake for Cody and Crosshair's soul. And we are just going to use every element, uh, storytelling element at our disposal and not shy away from the horror. And I think that's what makes it really powerful. It's just amazing tonal work. It, the entire episode is grim, heartbreaking, and at times horrific with that little explosion of absolutely necessary Star Wars hope at the end. We don't even, we don't even, we don't see, uh, you know, Cody fight his way out. It's not big and explosive. It's just mm -hmm. that little line of dialogue in a sad, you know, awful, mm -hmm. dank meeting <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, with, with Crosshair where we, we realize that Cody made his choice and he's gone and he still get that burst of Star Wars hope. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the grim, the heartbreaking, the horrific, it, 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 it just permeated the design of the episode, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Desix itself, even though Desix is sort of a, a conveyed in the episode as a place of hope, an independent place, a place that is, you know, on, on kind of the right side of the philosophy of we deserve to be independent. Still, the design of it was Mustafar-like, you know? Yeah. It looked like hard work to live on Desic. Um we got the sadness of Crosshair's dank, depressing little barracks, you know, 
Uh, Even Cody has been stripped of his color, right? He used to be the the bright orange of the 212th. And now it's that dull gray that Mm -hmm. uh, accents his armor. So it's just in every bit of visual storytelling that this is a sad, bleak time for the galaxy and these people. And then uh, I think for me, Ken, one of the biggest things for the sort of the tonal completeness of this episode is Star Wars often has uh, this fun uh, conflict within itself, right? That it's called Star Wars and it's fun, full of like fun, exciting visual action, but it usually uh, comes down on the side of pacifism. And those ideas are at stake here is, is peace an option? Is there any way to avoid uh, uh, bloodshed? Um, in the action in this, There's some episodes of Clone Wars that I love where everybody's talking peace and then you're kind of saying like, ah, wasn't it awesome when that clone died because it was cool, you know, (laughs) where there's a little bit of conflict in the tone. The action here was not a tonal shift. It deeply helped tell the story. The action Mm -hmm. was cool, right, and fun because the actual action, there are some beats in here after, you know, years of watching clones and battle droids, there were some beats in here that were surprising, inventing, and gripping. But so much of it was because the action was telling the story. Cody and Crosshair's lives and souls were on the line as they marched through a mini recreation of the horror of the Clone Wars. So everything tonally uh, was there. Uh, 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 Final thing I'll say here about my overall (laughs) reaction is I think one of the other things that makes me feel like it is, is one of my favorite you know, individual episodes of Star Wars storytelling is I think Star Wars at its best uh, tells these massive, emotionally complex stories in this really minimal action packed way. I think it's one of the original powers of Star Wars, you know, colon a new hope that it's this big, fast, fun thing. But in those quiet little minimal moments, there's so much meaning that can be unpacked for decades and decades and this episode did that too yeah i think this is an episode that should be and will be referenced down the line by us and and other shows and fans uh for the effect for the lessons and and with you uh, on the mood and the mood uh being very purposeful uh i i I put a note of it's almost like a silly surface note but the the moody red sky of desics in the opening and 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 kind of what we see on course and later it's it reminds me of this is the silly pop culture reference, but Legolas saying, you know, red sky, blood has been spilled, right? Like this kind of like mm-hmm. ominous kind of tone. And, and then you got what's going on in the action there. You're right. Some very cool action. Can't wait to discuss. But uh, the way it uh, carries these two clones together, uh, if you're not wrong in the it was a weird moment to find myself rooting for battle droids and droid us against clones after so many mm-hmm. years. Uh, and it, and it, it really wants you to analyze what's going on. And, and some of the stuff that, that we will discuss with, with Cody and uh, 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 Tani Ames, uh, voiced uh, wonderfully by Tessia Valenza, is uh, the actor's name. Um, I think those are things that, that, that the episode's not meta in a there's, – there's one real meta moment, I thought. But there's one – it's not meta in like a community episode. Six seasons in a movie of aren't we having fun doing a sitcom but not doing a sitcom. This was a, a episode that I think also for me pulled you in, sat you down, and said, "Have have we have we stopped to look at what Star Wars has been saying for years? Have you got some of the stuff? Let's talk about it. Let's put it out there on the shelf for you to maybe 
understand. You don't want to talk politics? Well, when you don't do that, this is kind of what happens. You want to just look at the cool side of the, the war? Great. There's some fun stuff, but look at look at the effects. Uh, your, this episode happens, uh, it's almost bookended in a way, in front of uh, the wall, the memorial of Lost Clone mm-hmm. and the dead of the war. Uh, compared to the battle droids, we even get the comparison of the difference between us and battle droids. It's about the choices we'll discuss, but you and I have a sympathetic uh, little place in our heart for the battle droids now these days. <laughs> Maybe we didn't back in 2008 or even 99. Um, but but their death experienced a lot different when you even have Cody in this episode reacting to one of the deaths of the, of the clone. So all of that kind of comes together. Yeah, you can pull it apart and look back on it and the conversations are important, but it's not heavy handed. I don't think it's heavy handed Mm-mm. other than one or two direct lines. It, it, it wants you to sit down and think about what a lot of the big themes are in Star Wars and, and have been present since the beginning. Yeah, and I think that it it ha- it does have some lines that are that lay out the the stakes and lay out the themes mm-hmm. and lay out the choices, and I think that's important and that's a, a part of the style of Star Wars storytelling in general, uh, but specifically of the animated side. You know, going down to Clone Wars used to start with a moral, <laughs> yeah, make sure that it was clear. But I think what's so successful about this episode is all of the elements, the uh, the visuals, the music, the performance of all the voice actors, the direction. It makes you feel it. So if you mm-hmm. sat down going, I want to just have some fun with the clones. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't want to be dragged into thinking about the morality of this. Uh, this, this episode is not going to let you escape because even if you try to shut off your brain, it will make mm. you feel it because yeah. you don't know who to root for. You know, yeah. and and we'll we'll talk a lot more about that. But I think that's such a great, great point. Um, yeah, I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I lied and said uh, I was going to be done talking about overall reaction. But I do have one final thing. Um, this is a really interesting, you know, episode early in the season, right? Uh, the show is called The Bad Batch. Crosshair is a member of The Bad Batch. So we're still following The Bad Batch. Or I guess he was a member mm-hmm. of The Bad Batch. Uh, but I just felt like this episode was another sort of... Um, Solid reminder that this show, the main characters are the Bad Batch, but this show is also about this era, this era of transition, moving from one horror, the Clone Wars, into another, the tyranny of the Empire. But I want to spend time with the main characters we know, Hunter and Tech and Wrecker and Echo and Omega and Sid and all that, but I'm really fine with it also being having an element of anthology that shows us this era, and I thought this was another episode that was saying, like, that's what this show is doing. Totally fine mm-hmm. if you don't like that, but don't think that isn't what the show is, because it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, again, he, 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 I don't want to say it's grabbed you by the shirt collar and saying, listen, but um, that's kind of the feel I got. And even like the first viewing, I was like, oh, that was great. And I think I was texting you, oh, that was great stuff. You're, you're going to enjoy it. I would watched a little bit before. And then it was uh, my <laughs> the, the notes viewings where just a lot of the lines, everything was reaching out and grabbing me. Um, not just with real world stuff, but this post Andor world. I think this is up there, um, right there with a lot of those big episodes in Andor that are just like pointing out of the screen at you and what's going on and what's been in Star Wars. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A powerful episode to uh, connect with some of the big ideas of Andor. Yeah. So I watched this episode on a Saturday morning, uh, texted you because you had told me, hey, it's a little darker. It's a little heavier. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) I was like, well, damn. Uh, So uh, I texted you and then uh, I normally watch an episode and then just kind of let it sink in. And then, you know, maybe I'll make some notes and then I watch it again to, you know, pick up some of the little Mm -hmm. details. 
I, I was supposed to move on with my life. I was just going to watch it on Saturday morning. <laughs> and I spent like, you know, an, a half hour just writing down all my thoughts because I was so engaged by this episode. Mm-hmm. So let's get into our thoughts about the the big themes, the ideas at stake in the episode. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that's intertwined. But if it's okay with you, Ken, I want to start uh, with yeah. one specific idea. Let's um, do it. And that is trauma. <laughs> you know, yeah. fun trauma. Um, I, I feel like so much of, of the great and detailed ideas of this episode hinge on the episode being a sort of a, a eulogy for the Clone Wars, a sort of mm-hmm. what if we got to just continue this or what if we were trapped in this horror forever? You could look at it in lots of different ways. But, mm-hmm. you know, the the beginning early on setting, like you mentioned, is the uh, the first battle memorial uh, that was put up, uh, according to old Wikipedia, I looked it up um, after the first battle of Geonosis. So even that memorial is from a long time ago when Cody is looking at it. You know, with yeah. that knowledge, you have to know that he's kind of thinking about, remember at the beginning of the war when people claimed they cared and claimed we were heroes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a memorial from the first battle. Uh, but it's obviously, it's a, it's a reminder for both Cody and Crosshair and us, the audience, of just this, the huge number of losses they've observed. Personal loss, but also the loss of their kind, their way of life, right? And yeah. then big picture, what the, the action is, while it's fun and inventive and cool, it's a march through uh an awesome dark castle (laughs) yeah yeah but it's basically like a a video game of playing through the levels of clanker horror right they're swarmed by b1s they're the the tank then the droidica then the commander droids then the tactical droid Uh, i think the way it's structured it's like a review of their trauma right this Mm -hmm. is the fight they were born for this is what killed all their brothers on that memorial wall and for both uh cody and Crosshair, and the audience marching through it, 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 I think, invites us to go, this is what the Clone Wars were. This is horror. Yeah. What was it all for? Why are we doing this? How do you feel about that uh, idea that, that the episode is inviting us to relive a horror and consider what it's for? I absolutely think it's doing that because of, of, of where we get at the end with with Cody literally saying we've 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 lived through the horror of the war. Let's not do it again. And him having this view on it. And again, Cody, I think, believes so much all through this episode of what he's doing. Like he, he's he's got doubts. He's learning, he's staring at walls. He's already got it. But I think he's saying dialogue that he believes. And at the end, everything about that is on quicksand. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with what he experienced in the past. I love that you're citing this comes out of the Battle of Geonosis. Graduation day for a lot of those clones, right? Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Camino. Uh, see in the real world. And this is what you're uh, dealt with, your weapons of war. And you don't know who you are beyond that. And uh, th- th- again, that moment where I think it's the, the, the clone has all the grenades and, and he kind of, the poppers explode and Cody has a reaction. Like, no, nah, no, nah, I forget exactly what he says. But uh, he screams uh, the, the clone's name, which is Nova. Nova. Um. And Rampart would be like, who? Uh, Nova what? <laughs> CT what? Yeah. CT what? Um, so, yeah, all of it, it, it absolutely, again, forces you to look back and analyze the journey, which includes these cool moments. We get so much, so much cool action here. But it is, you mentioned the video game thing. There's so many video game like levels and moments. I was even laughing to myself. I'm playing, you know, I'm in my season of Fortnite. I'm just playing too much of that damn <laughs> game where, you know, you're going into a building going, who's, who's in this castle with me? I got to figure it out. I sneak around. And I was laughing watching the, the clones do this. Literally did feel like a video game and, and Star Wars can do that. Right. And you can engage with it on a level. And this one kind of um, reminding you of what this actually is depicting. Uh, and, and, and it's not the trauma that you're talking about. doesn't necessarily just have to stick with uh, 
soldiers in the real world or anything. Oh, we all have this kind of thing. We all have this kind of pain that we've lived uh, in and cycles that will keep us there. And a lot of this is about Cody deciding, how do we break this cycle? Because I don't want to continue to live like this. And what are we doing? What's the purpose of this? Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I think it is fun. And there are, there is a sort of video game element of like, oh man, eat, eat, they, they beat one kind of separatist clanker <laughs> droid and then they're faced with the next one. But it is really shot and edited like a horror movie. There's like, there's some almost jump scare sound effects that are amped up louder than they sometimes are. If you listen to uh, headphones, the, um, the commando droids were always scary with their little <laughs> unnatural bobbin weaving. Um, you know, I, I know that a horror movie Megan is very popular right now. They're all a bunch of Megans. Uh, they're, they're so fast and so creepy. And there is just this sense that their lives are truly on the line. You know, there's some episodes of Clone Wars where, where definitely clones we know die or definitely dozens of nameless clones die. But this feels like Cody could die. Crosshair could die. It felt real. And I think that really helped amp up the stakes of their their lives and their souls are the are on the line. So why why? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel like the button was put on it so well of uh, Cody watching the the TK soldiers the the soon to be mm-hmm. stormtroopers march onto the planet. Right uh, yeah. in that look on Cody's face of like. I just did a review of my war, <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and the reasons that I think I fought my war. My war is over. My brothers are over. This is all over, right? It, it was really powerful for Cody to kind of see these these TK troopers, the the future stormtroopers, to see them as we kind of first saw the clones at the end of Attack of the Clones, as mm-hmm. as a failure, as a militarization, as a you know a refusal to even try to find peace. You know, made clear in the episode that that Cody wants to see clones as heroes who come to help the beleaguered citizens of a planet. And now he's just staring at those troops like, oh, that's an occupying force. They aren't here to help. They're here to take. Would you say he's emotionally doing the Bail Organa fist bump on the on the pat on the on the porch uh, rail, railing there the 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 overlook railing the end attack the clones absolutely he's 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 uh, gently uh, fist pumping the railing as uh, uh, as we love that moment for Bail of like damn I guess fist pounding I said fist bumping that's that's not, that's not right fist pounding. yeah the rail's not sentient he's like he's not like yeah. hey buddy. Hey, buddy. Good job. No. Uh, yeah. And also, again, this episode, there's that little moment at the beginning of the episode because the clone's talking about, uh, you know, the, 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 basically the draft order, the, 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 the desires yeah. of clones. And so it's like you got that, that plane over as well. It's just like the clones bred for this are, are now no longer considered uh, viable for that. The, the, the trust, the, the honor, the, clones are all traitors like that that's starting to like become a theme but the, and so what are they without this and so here you are being replaced by this uh, uh more tools of the war machine yeah I, yeah I, the one clone says i heard the defense recruitment bill is up for a vote again and the other clone says well let's hope it doesn't pass <laughs> like every every corner of this episode is uh is tragedy because like you you fools of course it's mm-hmm. gonna pass you know you don't mm-hmm. the, yeah anyway uh, so I wanted to really frame it with trauma, frame our discussion with the idea like that's kind of the spine of this episode is that these two characters who are trying to decide who they want to be, who they want to trust, uh, what they believe in, Cody and Crosshair, are sort of marching through this review of their trauma. And mm-hmm. uh, and from there, I wanted to go to this idea that uh, of what do you choose to be loyal to? Crosshair and Cody, you know, they both start with this tension of having, they seem both, to be kind of happy to see each other, right? Because they yeah. trust each other. They got each other's backs. 
normally, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, back when we met them in season seven of, of Clone Wars. But this time in front of that uh, first battle memorial, they kind of have this, they're, they're feeling each other out, right? Uh, are they yeah. both loyal to the Empire or are they traitors like their brothers? You know, Cody starts it by going, I heard Bad Batch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I heard the rest of your brothers run away. And I think when uh, Crosshair says, hey, yeah, it happened to a lot of regs too, is basically like, yeah, your boy Rex ran away too. <laughs> I, I love that exchange because I wrote down the note of Clone Force 99 was different by design, right? So it's like, this uh, almost like they have uh, their own identity. They were bred to have identity when maybe the rest of us weren't. Uh, and so this is, and I love him just tossing back. Yeah, well, Rex too. <laughs> Rex did this as well, bleeper. Uh, that was a really funny exchange to add the tension to their relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I, and I think he literally says regs too, but I feel like he means Rex, you know? Oh, maybe, you know, you're right. I, I didn't have the closed caption on this time around. So it could be regs, it could be Rex, it could be both. It is both thematically. I, th- here, here's my criticism Crosshair could learn to enunciate. I'm just saying the, the, the low, cool, gritty mumble. That's all awesome. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I think he says regs because I think they're kind of comparing, you know, th- their, their life history. But I feel like what he's saying is, mm-hmm. yeah, y- your buddy Rex ran away too. Let me tell you, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So then, so I think, you know, that's framed, you know, are they, are they both loyal to the empire? Are they loyal to their traitorous uh, brothers who ran away? Uh, does Cody have any lingering allegiance to the Jedi? You know, all that. Uh, it, it starts with that choice. And then I think, you know, over the course of the episode, it's pretty blatant that they they prove and choose their loyalties. But I think what's really interesting to me and what I want to discuss is sort of uh, how and why they, mm-hmm. they choose their loyalties. And, mm-hmm. you know, big picture for me, I think Crosshair is absolutely loyal to the idea of being a soldier, right? Mm-hmm. He just, he resists change. He wants the simple, clear-cut life he's always known. I'm a soldier of the Empire, and it's almost like a challenge. Like, let let me see how awful the Empire can treat me, and I will prove that I'm not going away because I just want to be what I've always been. So it's interesting that he doesn't want change. So from his perspective, even though the the march through Clone Wars memories, horror is, you know, terrifying, and he almost dies without Cody's help, I think there's got to be some comfort in it, because he just wants this forever. Yeah. Where... Rampart, yeah, sorry, sorry, Rampart even asking him, what kept you alive? He's gone for 32 days on Camino. Uh, yeah. I'm a soldier of the Empire. Yeah. So, I, I let's, yeah, let's just start by discussing Crosshair. What do you think, do you think his loyalty is at all challenged, and what do you think he's actually loyal to? Is it the idea of the Empire, or or do you think it's just he wants to be a soldier, period? It, it could start there. Good soldiers follow orders is, is always been his theme. It's a big theme of this episode. It starts our episode. It ends our episode and what that really means. Uh, and, and I still have the, I still hold on the hope that <laughs> this is weird to say that there isn't a crosshair redemption. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but uh, the, the, the valuable lessons and living with your choices is Cody says to him at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, so I think what keeps him there, it, it, it not changing is good, the, the comfort of the life, but not having to be challenged possibly, even though I think he's, he, there's cracks in, in him, I think, mm-hmm. I believe. Oh, yeah. I absolutely believe that. Uh, and, and even Rampart saying, funny thing, everyone around you seems to disappear or become a traitor, dot, dot, dot. And we, and we know he was like um, expressed emotional hurt, right, of kind of being mm-hmm. replaced by Omega, right, that his brothers yeah. just moved on without him. So we know he's got that level of dimension to him. 
Yeah, yeah. And so I think they're, yeah, uh, trapping. Because I, I, one of the big ep- episode themes is, is is freedom. And you got the freedom for the uh, those on uh, uh, Desix. You got that. But, that, you know, freedom for Cody is up on the air. Like what, he, what choices he wants to make and how that can lead to freedom for others. I, I think Crosshair is so trapped. And I do think he knows that I don't buy a lot of his decisions and it's, it's tragic, but it's almost like some of his decisions he's making to confirm it for himself. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I b- believe he believes good soldiers follow orders, but when, when everyone around you, everything around you is making you question that uh, there is a possibility that you might reaffirm your beliefs, but uh, when you start starting to go, start, start to start thinking about it again, this is what uh, Ames is talking about. Like, well, yeah, you don't want to talk about politics because if you do, you might find what you are doing is unjust. And when, when you hit that moment in your life, I think you might start saying and doing things to be like, no, that, that thought I have inside me is wrong. And I think that's towards the end of this episode, a lot of what I see crosshair in trying to answer your own question to like, what, what keeps me here? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to kill everyone and I'll find out later and just <laughs> hold on to this. Cause this is what I do. This is what I know. And I'd rather do this than change. I, I think to me, that's it. I think it, it, it is about a lack of change. You know, that was really prevalent mm-hmm. in the finale of season one of bad batch where crosshair literally didn't want to move forward to escape Camino, right? The destruction mm-hmm. of Camino mm-hmm. and his, his brothers kind of had to force him along. Um, and this just feels like um, it almost feels like, in, in my own life where I've had moments where I like everything the way it is now. I'm like where I'm living. I like my friends. I like the things we do. And then stuff outside of my control starts to change, right? People move or yeah. get a different job or a new friend group. And in this world you lived in starts to splinter, right? Mm-hmm. And you can have this instinct to just grab on and go, no, I like it this way. I don't want any of this to change. But you have to accept that, you know, things around you change and you can either grow with them or not. And I feel like it's a really, you know, big, fantastic, violent, heavy stakes, life or death version of, yeah, your friends all moved on when you're 28. Uh, But I also feel emotionally that's what's going on. If he's like, I like this. I like when I was born with a purpose. I knew it. I was good at it. I was rewarded for it and I don't want it to change. And I think I can be so stubborn that I can stay in the same place, but everywhere he goes, it's collapsing, right? His brothers in the bad batch are gone. Uh, even his mm-hmm. breakfast routine <laughs> doesn't work anymore. Other clones won't sit with him, right? Uh, Cody forces him to question it again, this episode. And I think mm-hmm. that's, what's fascinating to me about them both marching through this uh, reliving of the clone wars. I think in a way Crosshair kind of gets what he wants, you know, not almost dying, but a reenactment of the Clone Wars. And Mm -hmm. he gets complimented on his badass skills from his brother Cody, right? Uh, But the episode keeps reminding us that it is not up to Crosshair. There's no amount of following orders or taking abuse from the Empire Mm -hmm. that he can do to stop things from changing or be accepted, right? The clones won't eat with him. Cody deserts him. Rampart will never trust him, you know? I think this gets down to the title. I think he is choosing to be the solitary clone uh, because he is refusing to change and everything is moving on without him. A great Neil Diamond song, a solitary clone. <laughs> um, you're saying a ton of stuff there uh, I want to get into. Uh, first of all, just in terms of the episode, yeah, one of my favorite moments is the Rampart moment with Cody 
Cody, the number, right? Of course, we get that. We get the Empire doesn't view them as, 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 as individuals. if They view them as numbers. But the fact that he says that, right, is a big moment to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that shows the crack. Uh, and that he knows, he knows what he's dealing with enough to go, sigh. CT blah blah blah. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 bleeper. He he le- he left this morning. It, it just shows a lot of what's going on. And, and and you're talking about things, talking about the change and change around you. How many friends do we have where we're like, you you just want to go? Hey, have you considered you're the problem? Have <laughs> 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 you looked at everything else around you? And one of the beauties I love of this episode, and one of the things I love discussing Star Wars with you and the Force Center friends here is we are talking about war and this can go to soldiers. This can go to real world stuff mm-hmm. and go to real world politics, but it can go to where you just went to. It can go to your interpersonal relationship with your friends. Uh, it can go to the changes that happen in life, the changes, uh, the possibilities you're presented. This is such a, almost a, a, you know, just a day by day kind of episode with like, are you having problems at work? Are your drinking buddies <laughs> not the same? Uh, <laughs> do you want to make some changes, but you're holding on to it. You're getting really stubborn. You know, even down to, I remember the argument I had with my parents 10 years ago about text messaging. My dad's like, we don't text message in this house. We don't do it. And it's like, well, why? Why don't you text me? No one calls anymore. Okay, I'll call you on Christmas. Text me every day. And, and that's stubborn. And I have that streak. And I, 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 I think a lot of changes that I'm experiencing in my life, not just uh, politically or socially or anything, the big things that I talk about here in Force Center, but what, those who are around me started 10 years ago. It took me eight years to finally go, I can't avoid this anymore. If I want to move forward, I got to make these changes. I've felt like crosshair at that table alone for a long time. I felt like crosshair going, does it, you know, my real connections are long gone. And I'm faking it now. I'm holding on to it. I'm not changing. And there's a lot of that at play. It's not just the war stuff. It's the stuff we love talking about here. And it's, it's big real world stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's what also grabbed me about this episode here with Crosshair. Alone, solitary clone. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And c- kind of that that end shot. I love how many uh, endings there are, right? That it takes its time in, in the sort of the denouements to really get the get the point of the episode across but i love that that final shot is him kind of walking through the halls still the same but his armor's kind of different you know the solitary mm-hmm. clone and and it is it's um there's an element of sort of a toxic strength to it right um mm-hmm. that i would say particularly in america particularly in our generation there can be a celebration of if you're just strong enough you know you can Mm -hmm. make it through anything and it's sort of like (laughs) i think there's some real toxic strength going on with crosshair Mm -hmm. of like yeah next time leave me stranded on a planet for 68 days and i can Mm -hmm. take that too and like dude who are you owning Dude, who are you on? Who, who, uh, who are you proving yeah. it to? You know, did uh, are you know is Hunter and Tech and Record going? Well, I guess he was right because he's look how strong he is. Like, no, Rampart's <laughs> practically making fun of him. You know that great yes. line of like, so you, and you came back. Why? <laughs> Why? Oh, it's such just, toxic strength to demand that everything mm-hmm. stays the same. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. Sorry, young children. Rampart's a little shit. And and he just, it's it just driven home. He's a dangerous villain, as we saw last week. He's dangerous, but he's also dangerous on this way, where it's, it's so condescending. It's so like, I've got this power. He's such a weasel. And and, and yeah, regarding the toxic strength, um, often viewed, uh, viewed as, as to- toxic masculinity in mm-hmm. our crowd, it's a big it's a big area of conversation for me. Uh, it's something I, I try to address even in my stand-up comedy and, and among my friends, where that's such a misunderstood term by those who are 
most affected by it, which is the men. It's not a call that you can't go be a lumberjack and chop wood and drive a four by four, do yeah. that all you want, but you're hurting yourself with the things you're talking about. The toxic strength you talk about is really on display here. I love that you're saying 68 days. I'll go 68 days. <laughs> uh, and, and you're hurting yourself. Whereas, whereas, whereas Cody, who is just as strong, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not skilled as a, as a marksman, who's just as strong, just as a survivor. He is all clone. Uh, he has seen the other side of it. He's seen the effects of this quest for power, this quest for strength, um, not understanding that what you think you're doing, uh, protecting and serving, uh, uh, providing, uh, all these kind of things that are de- generally associated with the strength, when it veers over into this toxic, your toxic strength area, you're just hurting yourself. You talk about the, the, the solitary clone title. I, there's there's two clones alone in this episode. Mm-hmm. Crosshair at the beginning and Crosshair at the end. Cody, I think, is alone as well. But Cody, I think, decides this idea of a solitary clone can make a difference and a mm. different choice and help those around him in a different way versus what he what he was maybe even bred for, uh, discovering more wrinkles. He doesn't, he doesn't lose any of the physical strength. He doesn't lose any of the uh, appearance of strength. He is who he is. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you're sitting down and baking brownies like that's some sign of, sign of weakness, Right. right. Uh, and I think that's really on display here too. And that's the stuff that, that I know a lot of crosshairs right now. We're sitting by themselves <laughs> and going, if I have, if I make another choice, I am weak. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that that's, you know, the, those kind of things that, you know, we can pull out of the episode and we can articulate and discuss in depth. But I think again, the skill of this episode is on a deep level. It just makes you feel them, right? You just, yep. it, it looks miserable to be crosshair. I love that it's his little break, uh, breakfast routine in his crappy little room, right? It makes you feel that he's not making choices that are making his life any better. I, I love that you said that. It, 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 his life looks absolutely miserable. And he might be the coolest of the bunch, right? <laughs> he might be the one. Uh, I got the toothpick. I'm Jean Renault in every movie in the 90s. And I can, you know, use little disc mirrors, puck mirrors to shoot. He, he's the coolest man and he's Hi, the i'm in the 1980s yeah <laughs> yeah you're so right but yeah you know one of the beauties of discussing it and looking at star wars and engaging with the art this way i don't think amanda rose munoz sat down after uh, breaking the stories in the writer's room and said finally i can write an episode that deals with toxic strength i don't think that's the, every little line there's so much stuff at play but i mm-hmm. definitely think it's in there and when good art presents things to you and gets you excited. I'm excited about this episode and it's so sad and dramatic and lonely and somber uh, because it is one thing that it's a mirror. It's a mirror to all of us. If you want to pick it up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you said some great stuff uh, about Cody. So let's get into Cody. If, if Crosshair is being loyal to the idea of a soldier, Crosshair doesn't really, I don't think care about the empire, but he's being loyal to the idea of a soldier, to the, uh, the strength of not moving on from the past to being who he wants to be, uh, which is, not changing at all. Mm-hmm. Cody is this contrast, right? Uh, yeah. Cody really makes it, it, there's a great question raised of like, Hey, Cody from the films from Revenge of the Sith is the, is kind of the one clone that we have perspective for, you know, before uh, uh, the actual Clone Wars animated series, right? Of uh, he was buddies with Kenobi, right? They joked, he handed him back his lightsaber and then boom. Right. So it yeah. raises this great question of like, how is Cody going to feel? And, and I love that the episode kind of starts with, we don't know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's still there. He's acknowledging change. He hasn't run away. Uh, he does not push back on the clones who run away are traitors just like the Jedi. Uh, you know, I think Crosshair's given him that barb to see if he reacts and he doesn't. So there's still that mystery of how Cody feels 
about Order 66, right? Mm-hmm. So then it was great to see him march into this really with his his head on his shoulders, clear mm-hmm. about what he believes in. And it's clear throughout the episode that yeah. Cody is is steadfast, right? He is loyal mm-hmm. to what he chose to fight for in the Clone Wars, which is the idea of peace and order in the galaxy, making it better and safer. Now, there's a couple episodes in the Clone Wars, um, not always specifically to Cody, but with like Rex, when the deserter episode, right, where where uh, the argument is made uh, that Cutler Quain is, is fighting for what matters to him most, protecting his family. And Rex is mm-hmm. kind of like, well, the Republic's my family. I'm fighting for this idea, right? Mm-hmm. So you get you can kind of extrapolate that that Cody and Rex are in this same uh, ballpark where Cody defined the service. He's like, yeah, I was bred for this, but I'm an individual. I have choice. Do I believe in what the Republic is doing? Yeah, look at these horrors that the separatists yeah. are unleashing. They're they're attacking you know hospitals. They're invading planets. We're going in and saving people and defending people. That's the philosophy of the Jedi. That's the philosophy of the Republic. That's what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Uh, and we, we from the outside, of course, know that he's a pawn, uh, but it's great to catch up with him and think I can I can. It, that's still what it is. It's called an empire. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's still what it is. You know, um, that great moment where it, is they're fighting, you know, for their lives and their souls uh, up that tower. The Those citizens come out terrified and he says, it's mm-hmm. OK, we're here to help. And you can mm-hmm. see in their eyes like that's not what mm-hmm. they see when they see you. You're an invading force. You're a terror. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then he marches mm-hmm. through that clanker hell, which I think for Crosshair, there's some amount of like, great, I'm doing I'm doing what I'm best at. Uh, and for Cody, mm-hmm. it's just like, here we go again. This is life or death stakes. Uh, you know, it, this is still not over. How many more of my brothers I have to watch die? There goes Nova. Right. How long did he mm-hmm. know Nova? Right. Uh, and I think. It, it it leads him to that moment at the end, uh, which is a huge Obi-Wan Kenobi fan. I love to see Cody as the negotiator, like his Jedi before him, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, making that choice to be loyal to his vision of the galaxy. You know, he says uh, to Tani, the Empire seeks to establish peace and order throughout the galaxy. And there's this great tragedy because we, the audience, know he's wrong. But there's also this almost fist pumping heroic moment because that's what Cody believes in and that's what he's fighting for. That's what he is loyal to. Mm, mm, mm. So many thoughts bursting out of me here. Uh, that line is one of the most important ones in the episode. It's okay. We're here to help. It's, it's just absolutely tragic because he believes it. He believes yeah. it. And to try to, I guess I could try to keep the stars, but I'll explode it out into the real world. I think that's for me, a lot of what I see out there where, 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 it's okay. We're we're here to help. Might be what you think is on the side of your black and white vehicle. It might be what you think is on the sign uh, with the Bible verse outside of your church. It might be what you believe in your speech after you win uh, uh, after fifteen votes. It might be what you think that you're here to help. But when you go in and analyze it, you you yourself are an island. You're a solitary clone. Look around you and, and see what the actual results of your actions are. When, if you can analyze that, you can pull back. It doesn't mean that those systems, those jobs, those places need to be torn down, destroyed. It does not mean that the Jedi Order means to go. It needs to go. 
It just means that you need to reconnect with what you're actually doing here and who you actually are in this situation. I think that's what Cody's doing. He puts down that gun because he absolutely believes it's absolutely true. But that line, that absolute line, we're not here to debate politics with you. If you did, you might see how unjust your actions are. It's so powerful. It's so powerful what this message is trying to do. It's what Andrew is trying to communicate, what Solo is trying to communicate. Uh, you might believe it's okay, we're here to help. But is that the actual result of your actions? And, and I think for Cody to stop and analyze it, that's what's so powerful for me and to make that choice at the end and to look back the highlight reel probably in his mind about, yeah, I was a good soldier and I followed orders. What did that actually do? Yep. What were those orders actually for? Yeah, I, I love that you're highlighting uh, those lines. There's so much in there with, you know, Tawny Ames, you know, uh, being this sort of great, separatist uh purist right we talk a lot about how there were separatists who uh legitimately saw problems with the republic and wanted their independence and dooku Mm -hmm. a sith lord manipulated them into you know doing Mm -hmm. awful going into this war and doing awful things the kind of awful attacks that we see dooku and grievous and and early on asajj uh uh, participate in just awful awful things but tawny aims this this purist right who just wants independence uh, and wants peace, right? Uh, I love how much that she's kind of loyal to not, not not only her people, but the sort of separatist, you know, original goal. Those separatists just wanted to be, you know, uh, uh, separate from the Republic, independent. She offers, uh, she offers, you know, Groton to stand down at the beginning. Uh, she offers mm-hmm. to let Groton go. You know, she's got this super cool line that everybody really liked from <laughs> the trailer of peace was never an option. But it's right. so telling and so tragic that she gives it a try one more time uh, because Cody kind of does the right thing and, and offers, you know, mm-hmm. a, a hand of uh, of peace rather than the blaster in the face. Um, so I, I think Tawny, uh, Tawny Ames is, is very important for what, what she's loyal to. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, yeah, I really want to get back to these lines that you're talking about. We're not here to debate politics with you and Tawny Ames saying if you did, you might see how unjust your actions are. I do think that's a really powerful gut punch of um, in the real world. Often politics are sort of coded, uh, I think, for lots of different reasons as a thing not to discuss. Right. Or, you know, hey, the politicians are always this, all the same or it's this sort of like deep elaborate unknowable rules you know it's just a bunch of rich people in suits fighting in washington dc how does it affect us all this there's there's all these different things at work in my opinion for all sorts of different reasons to get us to go and politics is this far away thing (laughs) yeah and that's what this is about if cody's just like hey look i just i i I know that i'm fighting uh for what's right so i go and fight i don't want to talk about who has more votes or what you horse traded to get what vote right Mm -hmm. uh and Tawny is basically saying, like, that's the wrong definition of politics. Politics yeah. is the conversation you and I are having right now. How are we? Go- how are we going to work together? Are Are you willing to let me be independent, or are you going to, hey, take my choice away from me? The thing that you claim defines you, Cody. Are you mm-hmm. going to take that away from me? You know, and and just getting down to uh, politics. Uh, is you know ugly as they can be and is uh, upsetting as they can be to try to have conversations about uh i always do just think of it as this is the structure by which we choose who we want to be as a society right there's so much that gets in the way of that but at the heart of it that's practically what it is a law passes and then we all 
abide by that law, which expresses who we are. And yeah. that's what they're talking about, right? Of It's not mm-hmm. a faraway thing, Cody. It's you and me here right now. It's what you choose to do. I'll, I'll translate the conversation here. Cody, please keep politics out of Star Wars. <laughs> it's always been political. <laughs> Tony, have you seen Andor? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't mean to undercut your serious point with Huber. No, but no, please do. To boil it down, I think that's what's going on. This is why it's a meta moment, but not in a cute way. And again, you can. we always say, if if, if you want just some cool fighting, this episode has a lot of beats. Oh, yeah. It's comedy. This, this episode made me laugh at times with the, the, the ballad of the battle droids as uh, it continues. But it's it's politics in action. Yeah. And we can comment a lot about, yeah, a lot of the history of politics in, in any country. It, it can devolve into a circus pretty fast. I get why it feels like it doesn't affect you. Uh, but look, look at the actions, choices made in 1912. Tr- trust me, I'm reading that book. I'm 40 <laughs> pages away from finishing it. I keep mentioning it on Force Center. I just got to the end of the election last night. Choices made in 1912 affected the next 100 years and beyond. And it wasn't just silly politics. Uh, and that, again, is when you analyze it, when you find out what's there. And you're talking about peace and the tragedy. I love Tony Ames in that moment. It's such a great, you know, animation moment. It's such a great animation direction moment and a voice actor moment. Uh, when she does give it, she believes it because Cody's telling the truth for him. So mm-hmm. She believes him. But then when uh, the, the the governor makes the the claim, it, it, it's like she's looking at him. I'm going to die. But do you see what I see now? Uh, it's such a tragically uh, uh, powerful moment there because Cody realizes it all right there. The end game isn't peace and order. It's power and it's more power. And that's mm-hmm. the system I'm part of. Yep. It's Palpatine and his empire are about taking choice away. Not not coming to a consensus and making some sacrifices for the greater good, but yeah. what Palpatine wants will be and laws will be made to paper that over and call it okay. And that's yeah. that's what the empire is. And in the face of the empire, <laughs> uh, I think uh, I'm interested to see how much it, it if if Cody's like I because Cody says like we just fought another war I don't want to fight another one right mm-hmm. and if Cody yeah. is kind of comes to accept like well the I'd like to go away and be done but the empire needs to be fought yeah yeah uh, I think we had a little internet hiccup there Joseph so I'm gonna I'll say again of just tagging on all of this of of of, of uh, Palpatine. Uh, peace was never an option because peace was never his end game. That's that's why all this is a play, and so it's powerful for Cody to see his uh, his peace uh, is part of the of, of that problem. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. So sorry for the internet hiccup. I hope I didn't uh, speak over you. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. I'm going to clean it up. But for those listening, uh, we are we are under a <laughs> a a, 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 a newsworthy storm in LA right now. It's <laughs> Uh, all right. So hopefully the internet will uh, hold on with us as we talk just a little bit more about the big ideas of this episode. You and I both uh, talked about it a little bit in our overall reaction. But I think if if one of the big ideas, at least one of the ways you could frame it is what is Crosshair loyal to? What is Cody loyal to? What idea is Tawny loyal to? Loyal to? I thought it was really fascinating that the audience uh, was forced to question their loyalty <laughs> to mm-hmm. these characters mm-hmm. in terms of who are you rooting for, right? It really played with our emotions. Um, even though the audience knows that the entire Clone War was a manipulation, there are multiple episodes uh, of the Clone Wars where the clones are fighting Dooku, Grievous, you know, to stop them from doing truly awful things. There are lots of episodes where the clones are the heroes, right? 
uh, the droids and the separatists were usually bad guys invading planets, wiping out hospitals and civilian mm-hmm. villages, right? Uh, and then you come to this episode and, and you, you want Cody and Crosshair to make it through. You want them to make a better choice. You're on their side. They're underdogs. They're, you know, besieged. Uh, and then these battle droids were, they're kind of spunky and righteous, right? <laughs> Defending their home from brutal invasion from, you know, a, a mm-hmm. pissant little tyrant in, in Groton, right? Uh, so there's this great conflict of like, who, who do, do, do we want our clones that we care about and love to storm the castle and take away this planet's freedom? Well, I don't want him to die. You know, like I don't yeah. want the clones. I don't want the tactical droid to win and kill Cody and Crosshair. You know, uh, yeah. I really think it, it was well done to make us feel the horror of the clone wars because it played with our feelings and our loyalty. Yeah, it, it, it really did. And, and like I said, there were some humorous moments in the show, but also for myself, just watching going, I mean, I'm really sad that that, that Droidica just died. <laughs> I'm really sad. <laughs> I wanted him to get a win there. And I'm like, Whoa, what am I doing? Yeah. And, and, and to maybe get to the discussion too, of, of separatists and the battle droids and the tanks, these are, these are definitely the, the, it's the image of the quote bad guys in the prequels. And I don't necessarily think that's wrong. It's the army of Dooku. It's mm-hmm. the army of Grievous. It's the army of Palpatine. So a lot of things they are doing are, are bad. It, it just this episode drives home the point that the people behind it, that we always highlight the mean of Ontarios of the world. Now we can add Tony Ames to this uh, based on what they're talking about in this episode. It's like they, that, that, that army wasn't necessarily rep- representing them. They may have felt it, but it, it just reminds you all, uh, all of us that, 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 the people behind it, even Dooku, because she highlights the words of Dooku. And again, Amanda Rose Munoz worked on uh, Justice, uh, worked on Tales of the Jedi overall, but worked on that Justice episode, which is the first Dooku young Qui-Gon one, Tales of the Jedi. Great episode. And I love that Ames is, is, is saying Dooku was right. Dooku was right, right? From a certain point of view, but that was never his end game. He didn't care about you. We've seen the spoils of war. He didn't care about his own people. Uh, and that's... Uh, when people get the, the moral pursuit of power. So it just, when we're looking at the, the separatists, I don't consider these folks, the bad villains, the bad team from the, the, the prequel movies. I do consider the battle droids and all that an image, a representation of the bad that was Dooku, Palpatine, Grievous. And I guess we'll throw them all in there as well in the trade federation. But yeah, it's just fascinating to go back and recontextualize uh, the, the clone wars and the prequels with this stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just as much as the, the the clones are defined by their choices, you know, good soldiers follow orders. Okay, well, what are the orders? What do they mean? What are, are, are you fighting uh, to make the galaxy better and safer? Are you taking away people's, you know, freedom and choice? Uh, the same thing is going on with the battle droids, right? We are used to them as this kind of tragic figures, but in the commando mm-hmm. droids and the droidicas and the, the scarier ones is like, this is the brutal fist of a Sith Lord, right? Awful yeah. and cruel. But all the battle droids, the droidica, the commando droids, uh, in this episode, what they're fighting for is pretty relatable and understandable of we chose not to be a part of your government a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're defending our planet from hostile invasion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love, uh, yeah, just going back in the imagery of the Clone Wars, the images of playing the early Battlefront games. And uh, I have a different a different appreciation for the battle droids. It's so weird to think. 
it really is. But like, I think really just spending time with them as these kind of tragic figures, you know, uh, mm-hmm. really makes a lot of sense. And there was some delightful moments of battle droids here that I'm sure we can get into. Uh, any other big picture thoughts? No, I try to, hopefully it wasn't too rambling there. There's just so much in this episode and so much that's on the screen, so much that's in the script and so much for us to connect to that. This is again, an episode that will linger in my soul for a long time and excited to discuss it both in how it matters to Canon and, and recontextualizing the prequels of Dooku and Palpatine and the politics of it, all the clones and battle droids, but also uh, how you can take it to your office, how you can take it to your next relationship. Uh, This episode is real powerful and love to dive in. So thanks for letting me ramble. Yeah, no, um, me too as well. I think, you know, like we always say, Star Wars is big, fantastic things of space wizards with laser swords and clones and droids and that. But there are these these lessons that that you can wrestle with. I, I need to evolve, you know, uh, and, mm-hmm. and watching this episode and it's making me go, I don't want to be Crosshair. I would like to be yeah. Cody. I would like to, you know, be able to mm-hmm. uh, look around and make changes. Uh, so that is uh, very helpful always. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to dive into some of the action and comedy we've referenced and some of the great canon connections. All that back in a moment. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back to continue our discussion of episode three of Bad Batch season two, the solitary clone. A lot of numbers in there. Three, two, one. Uh, we are going to talk action moments. This was kind of, for all of its depth, a great action episode. So, Ken, what were some of your favorite action moments? We've got shuttles. We've got lots and lots of shuttles landing. Uh, <laughs> just the action of the of the Clone Wars, uh, even the, some of the Mando stuff. We Floney seems to work and influence and mentor people who appreciate landings, and we got that to start. I feel like that was in the Clone Wars animated series one of Lucas's first things of like, don't you ever. Mm-hmm. Ever shortchange me on a ship landing animators. I want to see it. All this, I, want, yeah. I want all the gears to come out. I want the hiss. I want the steam. <laughs> Give it to me all. And yes, yeah. there was a lot of uh, effective shuttle landing action and crashing. And, and crashing. A great crash. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It all does trace back to George who sat down, put, put Dave on his lap and it's like, all right, all right. <laughs> Ship's got to land. Okay. Exactly. Uh, there's so many great moments. Um, I, I think uh, one of my very favorites because it was high stakes, but it was also just visually different. After years of clones versus droids, it was visually different. Uh, that lobbing that sticky grenade onto the shoulder of the V1, shooting it, and then having the B1 phase through the droidica's shield mm-hmm. <laughs> and having them both blow up. It was like a cool tactic, and it was like a visual I'd never seen, which honestly did make me feel for both that battle droid and that droidica. It it really did. I put that moment down as 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 well as just like it was the speed of it in an episode that moves pretty fast in terms of action. It was this slow, like slowly dying. Yeah, and and this is a general uh, big picture thing on the action. I did like how much it evoked other images from. Clone Wars era battles, right? Uh, we've had mm-hmm, a couple mm-hmm. of battles where they have to get across like a the bridge, you know, uh, uh, the moat to the castles. There we had uh, that bridge uh, when the one clone failed to get their droid popper under uh, the droidica's shield. It evoked right. that long training session uh, with uh, Saw Gerrera and Steela Gerrera in the Clone Wars of how to gently roll <laughs> the droid popper through the shield. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. So a lot of the action, really, if you're kind of a diehard fan. Uh, really evoked a lot of the past. Yeah, this was, we got the big politics lessons, the morality lessons uh, of this episode going, hey, look back, what have we learned? I I do think there's some little bit of, uh, let's go back and what we learned on the action side too. It It was almost in a weird way, a best of. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Uh, what other best of action moments did you find? Well, that, that, the the first shuttle that that is shot down, you're you're so right. The the battle droids taking it down, which ends with the battle droids going nice shot, which was funny. Uh, <laughs> but that whole sequence, I mean, it was uh, 
it was reminiscent of of, of like a war movie, uh, mm-hmm. of a World War II movie, or, or uh, helicopters in Vietnam footage. It, it was really visceral. It was really uh, uh, again fun action on one level, but it, it really kind of struck me on on how violent uh, it all really is. And so I thought that was a really powerful uh, sequence. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it made you feel the horror, right? And and even with the cool, they survived. But Cody's line of like, yeah, half of them are too injured to move. So, you know, we're, we're yeah. already depleted. Um, I think, you know, kind of going from the beginning uh, of that horror to close to the end of the uh, the battle horror, not the emotional horror, but man, mm-hmm. I love I loved Cody's knife work. Uh, that was a shot ah, in the trailer, right? The knife <laughs> coming out uh, in the, in, and in the trailer, it's just cool. All right, Cody's back. Look at that. That's you pause. That, that's Cody. Yeah. See the scar yeah. and the knife comes out. Why is his armor different? Oh, great. Great stuff in the trailer. And then to see it in the episode and it's basically a horror movie, right? The desperate, yeah. you know, is it dead yet stabbing mm-hmm. of the commando droid yeah. Cody begging for crosshair, right? All of their like, mm-hmm. do, do we trust each other? Do we trust each other? comes down to this. You know, and that, and it's a cool headshot to save Cody. And part of what I liked about it was like, that's cool action. I really enjoyed watching that. Cody did yeah. not. That was not a, yeah, hey, we took out some clankers, high five moment. That was mm. uh, every mission I go on, I could have died. Probably survivor guilt from the number of missions that Cody has survived. And he almost died. And, it, and you really felt like this could be it. Either of them could have died yeah. there. And that could have been the end of their story. And to have it be an action yeah. moment where I go, cool, knife work, <laughs> but also at the same time yeah. go, and that was an absolute nightmare for Cody. There was nothing fun about it. It's yeah. really great. Yeah I, wrote, yeah, I wrote down the set of Cody's knife work. Well, just like that, knife work, good good wet work, good knife work. <laughs> yeah, no, there's something uh, There's something uh, about, was it Crosshair, Cody, just like being choked, everything. It, it was, um, again, played different. This episode was, again, this best of uh, clones action and all cool weapons and just hit a little different probably because the somber tone that's uh, up top you just knew you weren't watching the the fun few pew pew so yeah it uh, it worked for me as well um it both both again it, you know that knife I'll, I'll buy one of those knives give me a give me a cody knife at the uh, galaxy <laughs> I'll buy it. uh but i'm with you on it, it, it hit different yeah uh i i not yeah Th- that'd be a, uh, hey kids do you want some cody knives <laughs> yeah, yeah welcome to galaxy's edge yeah. uh what other action moments do you have uh, I put, well, we had the crosshair. So we have the droids going, nice shot, but we have crosshair taking out that tank with a nicer shot. Yeah. Uh, everything about that sequence. Uh, you know, uh, I love a lot of the action plays out here where you're like, you just kind of waiting to get to what, you know, the result will be, but the, the tension, the drama, uh, the drive to get there, it was really, uh, really great. And he's, you know, again, again, crosshair, well, counts as the coolest of the bunch. He mm-hmm. just he's just uh, chosen some wrong things, and I uh, can't root for him. But it was a great moment. I love that he doesn't move; that he can tell from there that like the angle of their shot isn't going to get him. You know, yes, that yes. he's unconcerned. And then you know the the sound effect of the foomp uh, is that is his blast went into the tank was pretty great too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, final one for me is is the the puck shot. You know, I really love his puck mm-hmm. thing. That that's cool. You know, it's it's playing on the hey, they all have a different uh, trick. He's an amazing shot, but then the the ricocheting puck thing is great. Uh, <laughs> but I just kind of like that moment of Cody being like, okay, cool. You so you can do this puck. How far do I have to throw it? And they're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> as far as you can, you know. And then just it, it's like almost untrackable how cool it is, right? Uh, but, yeah. It also gives me the uh, the the nervous sweats because it reminds me of like playing any video game Battlefront included where you have to kind of zoom in with your your scope rifle 
Mm-hmm. And I'm I can't make this shot. It's getting it's giving me the jitters just watching him try, try to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did a lot mm-hmm. in Battlefront of trying to get some of my sniping awards, and yeah, I'm not the best sniper. I'm no crosshair. <laughs> uh, but even the hit on the tactical droid is really visceral, right? It's not like just one smoking hole through the chest. It's sort of like ripped one side of his head apart. You know. I'm glad you mentioned that. And again, uh, shout out to wonderful Shelby Young uh, doing the voice of the attack droid. It, 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 when it <laughs> It just it hit. It was, it was like oh, oh man, <laughs> have a funeral for this droid. <laughs> exactly. So that was it for me for for action moments. Anything else for you? No, I think uh, there's a lot uh, to follow and a lot to get to, and I think you touched upon all the big ones there. And again, the overall, it's it's you talk about wow. Now I'm rooting for droids. This was especially Andor, and 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 uh, this isn't a criticism of Andor, but it, it it plays quiet and smaller a lot. Right. And, and it doesn't have as much pew pew pew. It does got some and that hits different too. Let's be clear. But I think uh, there's part of me that's like, yay, the batch is back and we're going to get some fighting. And it's a different vibe. And this one kind of had that like, oh, oh, wait, that's right. It still it still means something. <laughs> it's still rough. Still rough. Yeah. Still rough. Uh, and moving on to our little bit of salvation of uh, comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Did you have some favorite moments there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, mean, I I did, I'll highlight it again, but I, I just, it's not exact me for me, but I, I cannot think that it, Shelby Young's PA announcer was not the, the, the Mr. Skinner to the manager's office beat in Hot Fuzz. It just, everything about it. I was just, I was waiting for, you know, Crosshair to Rampart's office, Rampart's office, Crosshair. It was so good. It was so fun. It was a little deep cut for me. I love that. It made me laugh. Uh, and then I like, this is one of the, I would will say this, this comes off as super, super fourth wall meta the the comment battle droids didn't they receive the shutdown order they could have been reprogrammed so stop looking it up on wikipedia <laughs> but in in minute this of revenge of the sith didn't uh palpatine tell anakin to, yeah yeah someone yeah. will still make some kind of snarky youtube short video uh, claiming uh, the writers did not watch the prequels or something but uh, i love <laughs> that that they, that they know enough to they have like right, here's what we're playing with yeah. Yep. And hey, there's pockets of battle droids. There's a great episode of Rebels that ha- is a little bit of that last battle with the uh, Rex and fighting the battle droids and all that. And they've been reprogrammed. All that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned this line. Uh, it's a it's dark comedy, uh, but uh, Rampart reviewing with Crosshair mm-hmm. and in their first meeting, I think kind of poking him to test him and even insulting him to see how he takes it. Of like, yeah, no, you're not going to be ready to play commander again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the oh, we, how how long did we leave you there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you still came back. Why? Uh, Rampart's mm-hmm. always been good, but I really felt like this performance uh, in this episode kind of took him out of a little bit of the like, yes, the the imperial who wants power. You know, we meet a lot of them, so there's a and first order officer, so there's a kind of challenge of how to how to differentiate them and give them character. And I think mm-hmm. the the voice acting performance by uh, Noshir Dalal in this episode mm-hmm. gave him a little bit more of that sort of like uh, almost just cruel. Like I'm enjoying hurting you, Crosshair, to see if you'll ever push back. Uh, yeah. And uh, I guess that's a weird thing to share and funny, but uh, the 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 delivery of why was like funny. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm with you on it again. Because again, he, he's a little bleep. I, I edit myself there. There, kids. Um, yeah, and and, and uh, I can't wait for a comeuppance. Yep, yep. 
my only other two moments are both battle droid moments that I'm sure we share. So uh, w- w- why don't you go with, forward with some more comedy moments? Uh, my final one that I wrote is you probably have it too. That doesn't look good. Yeah, for them. That's <laughs> I mean, how can you not root for these battle droids? Come on. Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, I have uh, two different ones because I think okay. there's. You know, the battle droids, uh, we've talked about a lot of, like, are they scary enough in The Phantom Menace? Do they straddle that line of comedy? Uh, The reason that a lot of us struggled with them, I think, who grew up with the original trilogy, we were, like, kind of anticipating, well, what's the new stormtrooper that's real scary and Mm -hmm, cool? mm -hmm, And the battle mm -hmm. droids are not as scary. Anyway, come to Clone Wars, right? And you, you get to see them as, you know these you know poor tortured beings with lots of legitimately funny lines i think it's the movie where asajj just throws a battle droid for no reason and it says why yeah yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah. so with all that history this episode was like the surprise where it feels like okay are they when, when they've been rebooted reprogrammed have they been given a little bit more autonomy do they have a little bit more sense of what they are fighting for because they just seemed more righteous and scrappy right um yeah there's that line where really whiny groton you know says i am legitimate governor of desix you scrap heap (laughs) and the battle goid goes "Mm -hmm." (laughs) it's comedy that's totally in line with phantom menace (laughs) with early episodes of clone wars a kind of comedy of battle droid comedy that does Mm -hmm. not sit well with everybody but i Mm -hmm. loved it because it felt like that battle droid's got attitude. That battle droid is seen through the the BS of uh, yeah. of this of Groton. I I here's what I think. I I, I didn't. I, I admit I didn't think to, uh, this as much as uh, as you did here. But I love what you're saying. And my headcanon is yes. Any of these reprogrammed droids have a little bit more into like an empathy chip. There's a mm-hmm. little bit more a sense of justice in what they're doing. I love this idea because it just now now I feel even less bad for root form i'm not <laughs> yeah. rooting for clones to die not rooting for anyone to die everyone put your guns on stun like bad batch does uh but i think you're right i think there is a bit of that in there yeah e- even the the nice shot in the high five the metal high five i don't know it just it, it there's these little moments that made me feel more like they were on board with what they were fighting for than mm-hmm. just being forced to do this the way they are in the clone wars yeah 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 entirely yeah. possible that i'm head some stuff here but uh sure but, but that's part of the fun I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, all right, we're going to move on then to a- actual canon. Uh, favorite Star Wars canon, lore, connections to other stories. Uh, let's just start with the Bad Batch canon itself. Uh, the big season finale of uh, season one of uh, Bad Batch, Crosshair is left alone on that platform. He has a choice to go with his brothers, right? And he doesn't. And then we learn that he survived there for 32 rotations. Mm. How did you imagine him spending his time there? You know, what did he eat? What did he decide as he sat there alone for 32 days? I think he didn't do anything for at least two days. And he had some of those like, did I make a, you know, Joe Bluth, did I make a huge mistake? And I think by the third day, he went looking in the ruins as best he could, maybe killed uh, some kind of weird space fish. And by the fifth day, he was blaming the Bad Batch for it. That's Mm. why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And I've got to stay alive to get them uh, or to, you know, reconcile with what's going on with them. But I, I think that's what drove him. Then I think by then he's pulling out food rations from little containers that are bobbing along tragically. And I think uh, I want to see this short film, by the way, the days oh. and nights of Crosshair. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's definitely bullseyeing some fish, you know, yeah. somehow unraveling a piece of cloth to make a fishing line <laughs> yeah, yeah pulling them up yeah but i love your emotional thought that there's a moment of have i made a terrible mistake you know the empire doesn't care about me they're not going to come mm-hmm. for me 
And I don't think there's ever an illusion that the Empire loves him and that they're buddies, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think it is that total, you know, like the dark side of the Force story we, we've seen with with Anakin and Ben of like, I made a bad decision. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I can't turn around from it. I have to keep making more and more bad decisions to prove that first bad decision wasn't a bad decision. Um, yeah. And I like that of he's like, yeah, but no, I, maybe I should love with them. No, they're the ones who are wrong. And I'll stay here as long as it takes. <laughs> I'll eat as much fish as possible to prove they're the ones who are wrong. <laughs> yeah yeah stubbornness that's it yep. day four a depressing short film uh we talked a little bit about the the first battle memorial uh the, the it was featured during the hunt for ahsoka in the clone wars that's the first time mm-hmm. that we saw it on screen and that it was created and then i think it was added uh to like kind of the the behind the scenes trivia on the website that it is the first battle memorial commemorating all the clones who died in the first battle of geonosis uh any other thoughts on that I, I think it's great. And I think it's something that I, I, I do remember from the Soka episode, but definitely probably overlooked, right? And I think it's just one of those things that it's, it's um, using your trivia to the best of its ability for your story. It was really affecting in this episode. It was very clear, uh, purposeful choice, and, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, wouldn't mind, it's, it's a little dark, but I wouldn't mind a, like a three and three quarter scale wall to put up. <laughs> Put up in my display, get some clones, have have my toy display have some purpose and poignancy to it. <laughs> hey, kids, question war with the first battle memorial playset. Yeah, uh, I would love that. Um, there's some great play uh, with uh, calling clones by their names, right? Um, yeah. yeah. We we see that, you know, uh, uh, Rampart is, is doesn't even know their names. And, and like you pointed out, maybe that's a little crack and showing a little crack and crosshair. But I thought it was a really great kind of reintroduction to Cody, right? That to Cody and Crosshair, that they are using each other's names, right? That they, because yeah. we've seen some other clones affected by Order 66 who have become a little bit more rigid overall, right? And I thought that yeah. was really affecting that like uh, Cody appears to still be Cody, so he must have rationalized that, yep, Obi-Wan was a traitor and that had to happen, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's a way of uh, somewhere Nemec's going, uh-huh, this is how they slowly get you, where, you know, you're first you're not saying your nickname, mm-hmm. you're following policy and saying your 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 clone number, and, and that's how you slowly move away from who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, very excited to see where Cody goes next. I'm very excited that this wasn't a one and done and that he made this great choice mm-hmm. and where, where he's going to come up next, what he's going to feel. Very excited for that. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe there are shots in the trailers that tell us uh, I, I I haven't reviewed because I want to be surprised. Um, yeah, and then a big canon thing, obviously, is the the name check to Mina Bonteri, but also just the episode check. Uh, Tony Ames mentions that her he, she and her colleague. Well, here, I'll just read it. Uh, Peace. There was a time I believed in that so much. So my colleague Mina Bonteri and I put forth a treaty with separatist and republic senators alike to end the war. Your supreme chancellor rejected it. If this was a comic book in the 1980s, there'd be a little asterisk next to that word balloon, and then there'd be a little note from Stan Lee. Hey, kids, <laughs> check out Clone Wars episodes. Heroes on both sides, Pursuit of Peace, and Senate Martyrs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. You and I both love Mina Bonteri. We talk about mm-hmm. the, her as a character and those episodes, but I think it's a... So it was really great to be reminded of sort of in the horror of the Clone Wars... You know, what was the way out? Well, it's pausing the battle and, and talking about, you know, what are our actual differences? How can we work this out? And that is the thing that the Sith, that Palpatine and Dooku would not allow, but that's what our heroes were trying for. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I know this is to say that the Republic uh, back in the day was was spoiled rotten from top to bottom. That's not what's going on. I think it's what you're talking about, the end of it there. Uh, what are we actually doing here? What is our purpose? You know, you're, you're standing on that big 700-foot uh, wall of ice saying you're the Night's Watch protecting the realm. But who are you protecting it from and who are you trying to keep out? Analyze that. Find out. And I think every time I hear this stuff, the Mina Monteri stuff, it, the heroes on both sides from the, the crawl, this is what I – I mean, it is not justifying the acts of war on either side. It's just saying, here's the people behind it and those uh, at the top who, whose goal is uh, less than honest. Palpatine's yep. goal was never peace. So that's why this was rejected. Yep. Peace was never an option. So, yeah. And I think those episodes have been on my mind a lot. Um, I kept meaning uh, to do a, a Twitter thread, but, you know, hey, life, busy. Uh, really curious to see if people who who, in, who really engage with Andor because they liked the politics in the reality being more on the surface. If they'd be mm-hmm. interested in, in Clone Wars episodes like these that are so explicit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, with the politics of how did we get here? How could we have escaped this? You know, who believes yeah. what and why? Who th- sees through, uh, you know, just, hey, we're doing all this horror to empower this one jerk <laughs> behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm still curious. I, I know, I think just stylistically, some people who are into Andor would be like, man, yeah, I get it, but it, I, the storytelling style is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm curious if they would be able to really enjoy or at least see in a different light some of these episodes of The Clone Wars. This is an absolute episode that if I'm putting together a little package for those who uh, I very much understand aren't aren't uh, don't find themselves as connected to animation. I've said before, I, I don't spend a lot of time with the Pixar films, and I couldn't tell you really why. I just don't connect with it as much, and, 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 and uh, that's an honest thing. So I get it. I have friends, so I'm like, no, I get it. I'm not trying to sit you down to force you to watch Rebels. I'm just saying it is. this is a package. This is one of the, this is when I say it's in the Hall of Fame. It's like a, here's a five-pack of episodes across Star Wars animation. Watch it and just see where they can go with this and see, uh, you know, not what you're missing in a snarky way, but what, what you might want to engage with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And as always, it might not be for people and that's fine. Uh, my last canon thing was an extremely depressing connection to Andor, <laughs> uh, which is uh, after whiny Groton uh, gets Crosshair to do his awful work for him and, you know, just murder uh, Tawny Ames, uh, Groton shouts out, put her body in the square. What a depressing connection <laughs> to, to Clem Andor, right? Uh mm-hmm kind of trying to have a sense of humor about it because it's so depressing but i think it is a continuing picture of the way the empire operates right um the the forward facing you know politics of the empire is what we're just an extension of the republic but we're even stronger in defending you from those who would attack the republic but even kind of lower level people like Groton, who doesn't, you know, he's been sent to be a governor of a really remote outer rim world that maybe has some resources they want. Not a high priority at all is basically what Rampart tells us, right? Yeah. Uh, so not necessarily uh, uh, coded as, you know, up in the ranks with uh, with Tarkin, right? This yeah. low level guy, even he knows I can use my power brutally to empower yeah. myself. I want to put her in the square so everybody in this plant on this planet sees that I grotten in the power. Mm-hmm. It's so awful and and so depressing but yeah. such a powerful picture of what the empire truly is. Yeah, you, you know, pointing at her body and saying, "See, see, safe and secure society. Look what I've done for you." Mhm. It's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really disturbing. 
so on that note, <laughs> uh, we do check in. Uh, obviously, we, we've had a lot of good things to say about this episode. Was there anything that you disliked your question, though? Uh, I consider this a, a perfect piece of Star Wars media. Like, I really, you know, not that we're here to give out these rankings. Uh, you know, there's always little beats here. Some of them I even need worry about talking about. A comedy here, they're, they're, all through Bad Batch, all through Rebels, all that stuff. Uh, I don't like that design. I can have those just complaints if you want to put me in a car with a with an angry microphone. But this episode was truly, to me, a perfect from the opening shot to the final frame. And the music, Kevin Kiner's music, mm-hmm. that, 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 that music hit when, when it pans over to Crosshair to fires the blaster from that to the end of the episode. Some of the best Star Wars music ever. Loved it. I, I, I'm going to champion this episode for the rest of my days. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I often do have like oh, a little thing, a little aesthetic thing or a little tonal thing of being like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's Star Wars. Sometimes there is this, this tonal conflict. Uh, it felt there was no tonal conflict because even the even the the battle droids weird humor to me was meaningful and powerful as i went on about so you know this this episode uh was absolutely beautiful in its horror and the more i think about it it is uh, made even more powerful by this little pop of hope knowing this was mm-hmm. too much for cody and cody's gone yeah. uh cody yeah. is a wall is uh, a thing of beauty. Uh, that, that, that's, that's a message of hope now for me. <laughs> I'm not going to get a tattoo, but it, it's close to tattoo territory. Cody's gone AWOL. That means something. <laughs> uh, and I agree with you. We, we, uh, we also like to check in. Is there anything that we haven't uh, talked about that we wanted to touch on? Uh, Tawny Ames armor design, classic Star Wars. Cool. Uh, great. Her, her voice. Cool. All the kind of traditional Star Wars, like coding of, is that a bounty hunter? Is that, and then the mask comes off and it's this, you know, yeah. uh, intelligent thoughtful determined resourceful human face great mm-hmm. uh, love everything there yeah but i, I, can I, I was yeah. going to say because remember that this 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 the, that in the line was in the trailer and there was time and there was a lot of like is this a new bounty bounty hunter guild or something like that kind of stuff it has that kind of design reminds me a lot of what's going on with infus nest mm-hmm. uh, yes pull off the mask and show you what's actually happening here and why i'm fighting and the fact that this character isn't some cool warrior it, it's essentially a separatist senator it would seem that that has decided this is the route because peace was never an option it's it's even more powerful as well as being a cool design that i need in figure form absolutely totally agreed um and i'm not done agreeing yet i, I also mm-hmm. want to shout out kevin kiner's music i mean he has uh, done such amazing work across all of these animated series and i think this episode he, he outdid himself uh with you know the great some great and different battle music that kept us in the tone of this is actually really scary this these stakes are mm-hmm. actually really really high both physically and emotionally for the clones but the, yeah, I agree. The The accent on the crosshair thing uh, w- was great, painful, but the absolute tortured strings while Cody was watching the Imperial invasion of this mm-hmm. planet that he promised peace to. Oh, man, mm-hmm. just just beautiful, powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, economy of words, right? This entire episode uh, did not waste a word to me. And uh, the, that silence and the music. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Our uh, podcast episode has offered a great contrast to the economy of words in the episode we're discussing. (laughs) So we are going to wrap up. Uh, If you could have a figure or merch of any character from this episode, uh, who or what do you want? 
Yeah, I so, said, you know, Tony Ames figure would be great. I think an updated Cody at the uh, Battle Gray, so to speak. But I, I'm serious. Uh, I don't collect knives. Uh, I, I don't. I've had a few in my day. I've whittled. I whittled in my day as my youth out my friend's house in the country. But uh, give me a nice Cody knife um, purchased responsibly and safely at uh, Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Keep it away from Bogus Cantina. Uh, I would. I would totally be down for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want a poster that of Cody that says Cody's gone AWOL. That would be fun. I would put that up. Um, but, I mean, you, you already mentioned it. But, yeah, I, I need the first Battle Memorial playset that comes complete uh, with uh, sad Cody. You take his helmet off and he looks sad. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Be the first to make a better choice, kids, with your sad Cody action figure. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Cody's gone AWOL. <laughs> Cody believes in choice. What do you believe in, kids? Let's find out. Squeeze his legs to make a choice. Anyway, we love toys. We love Star Wars. We love this episode. That is our big discussion of the solitary clone. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Hive Social at Force Center. If uh, you want to go to Instagram, we're there at Force Center Pod. We're on Facebook as well, Force Center Podcast. Uh, we are on YouTube, and we've been asking folks, hey, maybe help us grow on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to subscribe over there, we're trying to reach 7,000 subscribers. Uh, so do so if you'd like. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Oh, don't forget merch, tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We're, what are we, inside three months to Star Wars Celebration? That's insane. Uh, and you can get a Force Center shirt and uh, wear it so we can find you a lot easier in pubs around town uh follow me at ken knapsack or go to ken for more a uh, new podcast out on my feed the knapsack network network called the blathering uh me um getting a little more honest honest and open and raw about things in my life uh, what about you sir uh, you can find me hinting at the truth of my life. I'm joking. Uh, you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Grimshaw. Uh, I'm on Twitter still, uh, Hive, Mastodon, trying to build up uh, more uh, more community on Instagram as well. So go find me on Instagram and you can check out my YouTube page. You can uh, just search for Joseph Grimshaw on YouTube. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for perhaps... Crosshair's last friend, his toothpick. This has been the Bad Batch Report. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.